A school choice revolution is sweeping across America. And joining me today is one of the chief architects of this change, Corey Andrews. Corey, thank you for coming. Hey, Douglas, thanks for having me. Now, why are we seeing this dramatic shift in education across America? What's behind it? What's happening? Well, we should really thank Brandy Weingarten and the teachers unions for overplaying their hand and showing their true colors by pushing to keep the schools closed as long as possible. Gave a little bit of a sense of what was happening in the classroom. Parents over Zoom school or remote learning which we really should have called remotely learning because there wasn't a lot of learning going on. Families got to see that institutions, which we call schools, were teaching kids in ways that weren't aligned with their values, teaching them to hate their country, to hate their family's way of life, and that mobilized parents more than ever. They don't want to send their kids to institutions that, that, that brainwash their kids to, to not like the country or, or their family. So families who thought that their kids were in great public schools, maybe because of the standardized test scores, started to see another dimension of school quality that's arguably more important, which is whether the school's curriculum aligns with families' values. So we've seen a school choice revolution, as you said, sweeping the nation, 10 states in the past two years alone, going all in on school choice, allowing all families, regardless of background, income, zip code, every single family in those states can now take their kids' education dollars to the education provider of their choosing. That could be the public school, if you like your public school, you can keep your public school, but for real this time and like with your doctor. But if not, you can take that funding to pay for private school tuition and fees, for charter schools, for home-based education options, including private tutors and micro schools. So it's unleashed the education marketplace. One state, one of the first ones was uh, Arizona, for example. They did so with one seat GOP majorities in both chambers, meaning every single Republican had to show up, vote for their party platform issue of school choice, and to empower all families in the state with education freedom. Same thing in North Carolina, the 10th state to go universal on school choice uh, happened this year, despite their Democratic governor, Roy Cooper, a hypocrite on school choice, sent his own kid to private school. He declared a state of emergency over school choice because he was freaking out so much because why every single Republican in both chambers again, signed on to the bill. So we'll get into the detail of how we can make school choice happen, but just sticking with the point, Different states have different approaches, but they have one thing in common where they have real education freedom. Mom and dad get, in effect, a, a, a bank account, a, a savings account. The government pays the school choice tax dollars into that. Mm -hmm. And what can mom and dad then do with that money? Yeah, it allows for maximum customization on the part of the parents. So it's kind of like the voucher or scholarship idea where the funding that would have followed you to the government school, you can still take it there if you want. Uh, but if not, you can take that funding to pay for private school tuition and fees. That's the, old, the original idea. Now with education savings accounts like they passed in Arkansas, they actually call theirs education freedom accounts. I think if you're going you're gonna to have a name, that's, that's the way to name it. But it's basically this idea where the funding that would have followed you to that government school could go to an education savings account that's directed by parents. Again, you can use that for private school tuition and fees if you want but it's not limited like a scholarship. You can also take it to pay for homeschool curriculum, for private tutoring, educational therapies for special needs students. It's the ultimate, the purest form of school choice, which we should really call education choice now because schooling is just one way to get to an education. And in Arkansas, this is, this is how they did it. Universal school choice in the form of education freedom accounts, and it's directed by parents. Look, kids don't belong to the government and parents know their kids' education needs more than bureaucrats sitting in offices hundreds of miles away. Let's give them the power to choose. 
they they had the best incentives to get that right and they also have the most on the ground knowledge about what their kids actually need a lot of the bureaucrats don't even know their names how are they supposed to figure out what kind of education that they that they ought to receive so if you're an Arkansas from 2025 you get this education freedom account if you're happy with the school where your kids go great carry on right. if maybe you want you know they don't study Spanish and you want them to learn Spanish rather than French, you could use a bit of that money yeah. to get private tuition for that? Yeah, you could also customize in the form of you can pay for private school tuition and fees for the entire package of private education. But let's say there was something in the public school you really liked, be like that Spanish class or whatever it was, you could use a portion of the savings account funding to pay for that as well. So you could customize. Uh, typically, most people choose in the form of Here's the bundle of product, uh, goods and services I want. I'm going to choose this school or that school. But you could theoretically uh, mix and match different uh, providers if you want, wanted to do that. And I will say this also saves taxpayer money because it's typically the state portion of funding that follows the student. The public schools are funded through state, local, and federal funding. So uh, you're typically spending about half of what they would have spent in the government schools and saving taxpayer money while also advancing freedom and education. So mom and dad in Arkansas will get to control and allocate what? Eight, ten thousand dollars a year? It should be about that amount, yeah. Mm -hmm. And obviously it's the state portion of the budget, not the county portion of the budget. Right, right. And so the county can't really complain because <laughs> some of the kids who are no longer gonna be in the county, they still get the money for and they don't have to spend. That's right, so if you look at uh, the main argument you hear against school choice that this is stealing money from the public schools. Well, first of all, if you're doing a good job, you should have nothing to worry about. But second of all, the money doesn't belong to the government schools. Mm -hmm. Money, The education funding is meant for educating children, not for protecting a particular institution, public mm -hmm. or private. The money's meant for the child that should follow them to where they're going. School choice doesn't defund public schools. If anything, the public schools defund families. This uh, opportunity is just putting the money into the hands of the rightful owners, or at least the intended beneficiaries. But to get to your point, the, the public schools financially benefit from school choice on a per-student basis. They get to keep thousands of dollars for students who are no longer educating. Just imagine if you stopped shopping at your local grocery store, let's say Walmart, and you went to another one for whatever reason, and Walmart got to keep half your grocery money each week. That wouldn't make sense, yeah. but it would be a good deal for them. This is a good deal for the public schools, too. Here in Mississippi, we've got the Arkansas example, thanks to the genius governor, um, Sarah Huckabee Saunders. We've also got a governor recently elected in Louisiana with a 60% majority specifically committed to this. Boom. We're also likely to see something similar happen in Alabama. In other words, we're surrounded on three sides by education freedom states. Yes. Yeah. And it should be no problem in Mississippi to, to follow uh, what other states have done as well. It's a Republican Party platform issue. Republican primary voters are extremely supportive of school choice. In my state, we had it on the ballot last year in Texas. 88% of Texas Republican primary voters supporting school choice uh, on the ballot, up from 79% in 2018. So there's been a surge in support for education freedom. It's become more of a GOP litmus test issue too because the conservative parents were the ones who were more upset about what they saw by the leftist indoctrination in the government schools. And in some states, they've taken steps to ban CRT, for example. They did it in, in Texas and Tennessee and, and Iowa. But we've had videos coming out from red states showing that the public school teachers are admitting that they're still teaching CRT, calling it something else, maybe social emotional learning or student mental health. 
And they're just, it's basically the top-down reforms of trying to promote or... or we need mom power to fix it, not, not bureaucrats to fix it. Yeah, we, we need mom and dad to be able to choose because that's the only way out of the one-size-fits-all mess. Otherwise, you're playing a never-ending game of whack-a-mole with these redefining of terms, and it's basically unenforceable... Yeah. Uh, the rules that we have in the one-size-fits-all system. The better solution is through free freedom. So if you want the school system where your children go to reflect your family values, you've got to give the family control. No, that's right. nothing else will do. Now, I get why a socialist wouldn't like this. I get why a communist wouldn't like this. I get why the teacher unions wouldn't like this. Mm -hmm. But why are some other supposedly Republican conservative interests well, against it. Well, a lot of these same guys who are Republican in name only, who, who vote against school choice, will, they're the same people that are endorsed or funded by teacher unions like Randy Weingarten's at the national level. We have this uh, going on in Texas. And, uh, you know, they're basically trying to come up with a convenient excuse to say they're still conservative, or they're still Republicans while voting against their platform. And the excuse that they've provided historically that's not really holding up anymore is that well, you know, I'm a Republican and I'm in Mississippi, but we have rural areas in Mississippi. Well, guess what? Florida has rural areas too. And they, they've passed full choice. Arkansas has rural areas. West Virginia, the first state to go universal on school choice, is, is I would say more rural in some ways than Mississippi, according to Census Bureau data. Maine and Vermont, and they have universal school choice. Maine and Vermont. They passed the oldest voucher programs in the country in the late 1800s, specifically for kids in rural areas. They were so rural, they didn't have some public schools mm -hmm. in some areas. Mm -hmm. The state figured out, well, they don't have choices. Well, let's give them some choice. Give the voucher to the parents so they can go to public schools in other areas or to private religious or non-religious schools. So in states like Maine and Vermont, they figured out over 100 years ago that not, that not having a choice because you're in a rural area, is an argument to expand opportunities as opposed to restricting them. And I will say on the same argument, it's basically two things that are logically incompatible with another is what you'll hear from the legislator's mouth. They'll say on the one hand, we can't use this. The public school is the only option. But in the next sentence with a straight face, they'll try to look you in the eyes and tell you that, well, this is gonna, giving families a choice is gonna decimate my fantastic rural public school. That's the lifeblood of my community. Well, if that's true, that it's so fantastic, they should have nothing to worry about. But more importantly, if it's true that the public school is the only option, what the heck are you complaining about, about losing funding? Because if you don't lose any students, your public schools based, that are funded based on enrollment counts are not going to lose any funding at all. But the reality is uh, supply isn't fixed. The funding um, in the hands of parents will lead to an increase in supply. Supply meets demand. If parents have options, well, maybe you don't have another brick-and-mortar private school show up in your area, but maybe a micro-school shows up with five to ten children mm -hmm. in a household. Basically, this process of economizing on, on homeschooling, making it more economically feasible, that could be an option with education freedom accounts or education savings accounts, whatever you like to call them. I suspect one of the beneficiaries are not just going to be the families, it'll actually be the teachers. Because if you've got this system that allows people to opt out of bureaucratic education systems, the bureaucrats at the school board level are just, they're, they're going to have to let the teachers get on and teach and not, not be so bureaucratic and interfering. Right, and this is one of the uh, revelations of the pandemic in the Washington Post, which is a trash publication for a lot of reasons. 
actually had a good article in 2020 or 2021. Right, right, today. at least once today. Yeah. So in in New Jersey, they outlined a story of a public school teacher, and they're they're getting funded, you know, over twenty thousand dollars in their schools a year. They it's over. It's run by the unions. They they spend so much money, doesn't make its way towards the teachers or the classroom. It goes towards administrative bloat and staffing surges because they're a monopoly out there in the government school system, particularly in New Jersey. But they detail a story of this teacher who was in the system for decades who started a micro school, was making the same amount of money that they were in the, in the government school system, had a much smaller class size. And instead of 40 kids in the class, it was like 10 or five to 10 kids in the class with the micro school. And they had a lot more autonomy. They had to deal with all the red tape and bureaucracy in the government school system, holding their, tying their hands behind their back and not allowing them to actually teach. Well, um, they then take the next step and, and say, well, this is why we should have ESA so we can fund more of these alternatives in Denver, in Colorado, when the public schools were closing, their superintendent sent out a letter saying, don't recruit any of the public school teachers, don't start a micro school, because they knew how much of a good opportunity this would be for the employees too, not just the families. Mm-hmm. So uh, just think about it. If you had the funding following the student, you can get more of that money directly to the teacher doing a good job, and it wouldn't have to go towards all of this massive in- infrastructure in the public school system and in private schools too. There are teachers there that are doing a good job who like the mission of the school and who choose to do so even at a lower salary than what their traditional public schools is, is currently paying because they, they see the whole package of benefits of, of teaching there. We should allow the funding to follow the student, uh, not only to benefit the kids, but to benefit the teachers too. And one last point on this is there's been a nationwide an increase in public school funding by about 160 percent after adjusting for inflation since 1970. Over the same period teacher salaries have only increased by about 10 percent. Where's all the money going? It's not going towards the teachers and in fact five studies on the topic have found if anything private and charter school competition leads to higher salaries for public school teachers too because it gives their employer a stronger incentive so they don't lose customers to put the, that money into the classroom towards the student and the teacher. When I first, so win, it's a win-win solution. When I first moved to Mississippi, I heard a lot of people saying to me that Mississippi used to export cotton, now Mississippi exports people. And that was a really sad observation, but I think there's a grain of truth in it, that Mississippi somehow has missed out on this Southern success story happening all around us. You know, Nashville mm-hmm. is thriving, Texas is booming, Florida is doing really well, Georgia, even Alabama. Um, Mississippi, not so much. If we're going to change this, we need to do something big to the education system. We've now got a super Republican majority in Mississippi. They control all the institutions of the state. They've got massive majorities in both houses. How big an opportunity is this for Mississippi to fix its long-term underlying education problem? It's huge. People move to places based on getting a better future for their children and also being away from crime. And you can knock out both of those things in part at, at once if you employ school choice because there have been six studies on the topic. I've done two of them. They're all peer-reviewed, finding that more school choice leads to less of a lower likelihood of engaging in the criminal justice system. It's not a surprising finding. If you can get a better education, of course you're gonna get a job instead of uh, leading a life of crime. If you're surrounded by people who are uh, wanting to engage in learning and to, and to have a positive environment instead of bullying and, and engaging in gang activity, of course you're gonna be less likely to be involved in the criminal justice system. A couple of these studies were random assignment finding 
gold standard uh, causal effects of these of these programs. But, he, but also my studies, we controlled for whether you're in a single parent household, your race, your income, all the usual demographic characteristics, all else equal, more school choice, more opportunities, lo lower likelihoods of engaging in the criminal justice system. And there's also been studies finding more school choice a lower likelihood of teenage pregnancy and paternity disputes. If you want to keep the family unit together, one way to do it is to expand school choice and to allow uh, uh, students to be around an environment that, that, uh, that has a good discipline system in the school, but also a culture that promotes learning as opposed to being involved in, in gangs and drugs. It ought to be obvious. I mean, if you educate children properly and teach them not only how to use their brain, but skills they need to get a job and teach them the values that they need to be contributing members of society, they're going to do better than if you don't. Um, and it, you know, it ought to be a no-brainer, but sadly we're dealing with politicians here, so it's not always, what's obvious is not always done. Right, but it's also become not just the right thing to do, it's always been the right thing to do to let parents decide for their own kids, but it's also become a political winner. Look at Virginia in 2021 with Glenn Youngkin. He ran against a former uh, uh, governor, Terry McAuliffe, who messed up at the last debate when he said, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach the Democrat. He ended up losing in a state that apparently went 10 points to Biden the year before to Glenn Youngkin, the Republican, on education by six points with those voters. And education was the number two issue in the election. So Republicans can win on education. They talk about it mm -hmm. in the right way. And the way that Glenn Youngkin tapped into the idea of parental rights in education and school choice being part of that umbrella, mm -hmm. parents directing the upbringing of their children, that's a popular idea. No one really believes, except for a few radical socialists, that the, that the kids belong to the government. That's, that is an icky idea that most parents reel away from. It's and, un-American. And, 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 and parents have become a new special interest group in a way. They're more of a general interest fighting for their own kids. And they've been a political force to be reckoned with. And if you look at... Uh, the, the midterm elections, for example, there wasn't a red wave, there wasn't a blue wave, but there was a school choice wave. Uh, and what, what I mean by that is 76% of the candidates supported by my organization, the American Federation for Children, and our state affiliates won their races in 2022. And we didn't just play in the easy ones. We targeted 69 incumbents for attacking parental rights and education, and we took out 40 of them. That's the hardest thing to do in politics. And you don't have to take my word for it, Douglas. You can look at the liberal tears in the New Yorker magazine where the author lamented that education freedom candidates fared depressingly well in the midterms. Well, that's good news for parents, even if it's bad news for socialists and people like Randy Weingarten who want to close the schools and, and fight to trap your kids in their schools that are failing them for decades. There's, there's no waiting any longer. Low-income families in particular shouldn't have to wait any longer. And parents who feel like their values aren't being inculcated in the schools, they shouldn't have to wait any longer and have their kids being brainwashed with leftist values in ways that don't align with their own. And at the same time, if, if you're a Democrat, you should be able to choose a school that aligns with your values too. We shouldn't force our views on other people's Absolutely. children. That's what we're here to, to fight for, for everybody choosing how to raise their own kids. And I think that's something that everybody left and right should be able to get behind. With the Arkansas example now so obvious and visible to people here in Mississippi, with your visit here and the, the enthusiasm that you've generated, I think it's only a matter of time before we see legislation introduced in the new 2024 session. What would you say a final thought to Republicans who might be contemplating whether to support this? 
it can happen. It has happened in Arkansas. It is happening all across the country. Um, there's no excuses anymore. Don't be left behind. Don't be left behind. Don't miss out on education freedom. We're seeing parents flocking to these programs in other fam- in other in other uh, in other states, uh, mostly in red states. And this has become a Republican Party platform issue, a GOP litmus test issue. Parents are on board with it. Conservative. Voters in, in Republican primaries are super supportive, but it's just the right thing to do. We're already spending the money. Why not give a fraction of that funding to parents and let them decide? They're the primary decision makers for their kids, and I'm looking forward to the success of Mississippi, Mississippi actually implementing this after states like Arkansas have already done so. Should have been leaning on the issue already, but better late than never. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to come back to Mississippi once we session starts and we get this across the finish line it's going to be a huge celebration everybody's happy about it in arkansas it's a popular program i believe 80 percent of the chamber and on the house side passed it basically all republicans showed up and voted for it democrats should support it too uh, but i understand the political dynamics are a little different on the other side of the aisle but you have the numbers you have the votes here uh, so it, there, there's no excuses anymore for standing in the schoolhouse door and trapping kids from a better education. We would love to welcome you back, maybe February, March, sometime. Bill maybe. signing ceremony, let's do it, <laughs> Governor Reeves. Well, let's, let's hope it happens. I mean, I think this is a, a real opportunity for us. And thank you so much for coming and for supporting it. Really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, totally. Thank you so much, Douglas Carswell, for, for bringing me out to Mississippi Center for Public Policy. It's been a great morning already. I'm excited about the event. I'm excited about all the momentum that's happening here and uh, happy to be back anytime with you, Doug. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks.